This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Velo Solar. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade, and it is always a great day to be saving money, saving energy, experiencing technology, and living a more sustainable life. John, my co-host, John Noel, former state representative, energy geek, does a lot with light bulbs and energy efficiency and really drives the Tesla, has all kind of cool things, and we'll talk about that. But, John, it is great to have in the studio today i was kind of teasing uh earlier the folks that actually own this microphone uh, (laughs) right uh cox enterprises is a is a great company Uh, they have many divisions and cox automotive uh manheim auctions uh now you used to be in the car business i used to be in the car business i got out of uga and went to work for Beaudry Ford in downtown Atlanta. My family owned a car auction, actually the prop, very property that we're going to be talking about today. My granddad bought that in 1960. That's cool. Yeah, and so we're going to be talking about this Metropolitan um, uh, Parkway property, but let's meet the folks in the studio first. Alex Fraser. Alex, welcome. Thank you. And tell us what your role is over there at Cox Automotive. Yeah, I'm the general manager of Mannheim Metro Atlanta, which is our fleet mobility hub. It's the first one in our chain of auctions that we have across the country, but we're starting right here in Atlanta, our hometown. And you went up uh, in Michigan to Northwoods University. Yeah, I did. uh, A lot of the car business actually has relationship with Northwood, and and Cox Automotive is included in that. So I went straight out of Northwood, where my degree was automotive marketing and management, right into working for Mannheim, where I've been for 17 and a half years. Yeah, and how much of of Northwood is was impacted by Detroit and what was happening up there was it was was it a substantial impact on the university and the majors there yeah I mean the OEMs certainly have a a voice there but I would say dealers have a larger voice than the OEMs and so OEM what does that mean uh the OEMs are the manufacturers so Chrysler Ford uh Chrysler Ford General Motors for our listeners yeah no no worries thanks um but a lot of dealers have over the last 50 years started to send their kids there when they want them to get a full university education, not just around how to run a dealership, but how to run a business, how to be a good leader, all those things. And so you leave with a Bachelor of Business Arts um, that you can use in a lot of different applications within the car business, including going back to run your family store. Yeah. And before we meet the other guests, let me just ask you, because my family, right, my granddad and then my parents and now my brothers, so three generations in the car business, that's not uncommon. Is it for kids to go into the business that their mom or dad were involved with in the car business? No, sir. It's it's more common for them to stay in the business than to leave the business, I would say. It's just because wow. it's a it's a really special thing, and I think families really establish themselves as community leaders when you're a car dealer in a lot of communities. And so that's a, that's a cool thing to pass down from one generation to another. Uh, Lee Malloy. How's it going? Good morning. It's good to see you. And you went to school up in Wake Forest. How did you wind up uh, at Cox Automotive? A winded road. Um, I graduated Wake Forest, spent some years in Manhattan, 
consulting. Uh, Manhattan like New York? New York. New York City. You got it. Whoa. And then moved to Chicago and then have been in Atlanta with Cox almost 10 years now. Wow. And all that time was spent in Cox Automotive. I started with our media group, Auto Trader, uh, originally, and have had a few roles and most recently now lead emerging technology for Cox Mobility, which is Cox Automotive's fourth and newest division. And much of our focus is enabling Alex to do the things he's talked about at Metro Atlanta. And our big vision is to really drive the art and science about moving things and people of the future. Yeah, so let me ask wow. you a psychology question. Is there <laughs> is there a difference between the way that New Yorkers buy cars and folks that live in Chicago buy cars and people in the South buy cars, or is it all pretty much the same? Yeah, demographics play a role for sure. But, you know, one of the things we're noticing – about consumer behaviors is that today's car buyer thinks very differently. We know that 40% of the car buyers today understand that transportation matters, but the act or activity of owning a car is not as important to them. Uh-huh. They can satisfy their transportation needs in many different ways through ride sharing, car sharing, public transport. And it's a whole different picture. Cars. You got it. Yeah, so I have a couple of uh, folks, and my wife and I lead a, a a, a premarital class for couples that are engaged that are getting married and this these this this one couple they met at carvana right he <laughs> he's a driver and she works in dispatch how how much of an impact uh, are these kind of alternative buying experiences having where folks can just order a car or buy it out of a vending machine and have it delivered to their home. Are you seeing a lot of that? It's a big deal. And we call that whole segment new form retailers. And these retailers are focused on changing the experience of car buying and enabling the consumer to transact a lot of that activity online and move that experience from the in-store experience to an online experience and really reducing the friction of car buying, taking what could take four hours to transact a vehicle in your traditional dealership down to, say, 90 minutes. When I bought my my Tesla, I bought it on the screen in my car. I sat in the car with with the fellow, and I logged into my Tesla account, and I pushed accept the contract. I had the check. It was done. I, there was no paperwork. It was it was a completely different experience. So that's sort of a radical example. How about, how about negotiation about. or there's no that. negotiation. That's the Tesla's busting the model, and Tesla's not the only one. You know, growing up at the auction, you know, because we had a little, <laughs> this is killing you. That we the, had a little retail car business. Deal guys. Uh, yeah, we had a little retail business. You know, during the week on the front side, and then we uh, had the public auction, and of course, there you're you're making deals. I mean, my granddad, my granddad. You know, essentially traded horses, cows, and pigs and negotiated, you know, before he ever sold the first car and then started doing this with cars. Uh, And so it's just foreign to me to think about not negotiating for anything. I I mean, I trade for everything in my life still. I mean, it's just so much. It's a good way to do it. It's just so, so much a part of my DNA. So let's meet our third guest. We've got a studio full of folks here, Julian. Howard, uh, Julian, you and I have interacted a lot on a number of things down at the property down there. Yes, uh, so you went to Emory. How was that experience over there? I loved Emory. I, I, you know, I, I would say Emory was uh, 
uh, it was an interesting place. It was transitioning a lot when I was there, but educationally, I, I loved it, and I, I really value my degree from, from the school. So did you go there because you're a Methodist, or did you go there for other reasons? <laughs> I went there. Uh, I made a very 18-year-old decision to go to Emory. Uh, I went there because I, I wanted to come home and because it and was— there a, was a cute senior? That's Maybe. Okay. Uh, well, it, was, it wasn't Pittsburgh, let's put it like that. Um, okay. So I, I was looking at Carnegie Mellon at the time, which would have been a very different path for me. But uh, uh, I went because it was, uh, it was a great school and because I had an opportunity to, to follow the educational path I wanted. And, uh, and frankly, I think it helped that I was close to home. Right? I grew up in Atlanta. So, so what was your major there? I was a history major, American history major. My man. Uh-huh. So John has a history major. So, you know, we're here we here we are on this show talking about sustainability and technology. I was an English major, he's a history major. I mean, how much can folks really learn? This is why we always have a lot of guests, right? Uh b- because uh we really want to bring the content. So, I mean, you've gone from history to cars. I mean, is that quite that's quite a leap there. Yeah, it's funny. That was part of my interview process at Cox Automotive and I you know, I would tell you it is quite a leap, but I, I think, you know, when you, you have an opportunity to think, uh, to, to, to do research, to, to complete um, a lot of uh, writing and thoughtful tasks, it can take you a lot of different places. And it's, and it's brought me here. And that's, I think, part of the reason I'm at Cox Automotive is I'm not of the car industry. I'm relatively new to this, but I, I think I bring a different perspective, which is what we're trying to do, right? We're overall trying to bring a new perspective to the car business and pave a, pave a new path. Wow. Alex, let me come back to you because this project that you all are working on, this new division that you've stood up, uh, and I guess Joe George is a big, big part of that, your boss, uh, is it going to be a paradigm shift for our country, do you think? Is it, I mean, y'all are making a big bet on this. Why is this so important to Cox? Tell us a little bit about the project and why it's important. Yeah, I think a big reason we got in the mobility business and joe is my boss he's the president of cox automobile mobility and also a third generation car business guy so his grandfather and father were both in the car business um but we see as all of the technology and all these emerging things are happening on cars they are going to continue to get more expensive uh to to the point where they may just not be affordable for a lot of folks which means as we move into this new world, a lot more fleets will own them. And we have a really great relationship with effectively every commercial lender uh, and fleet owner of vehicles today. And so as we think about how we can continue to serve them into tomorrow, it was a natural step for us to kind of look into this stuff and figure out how we can continue to be the oil that keeps things moving, which is kind of what we've been in the car business for the last 70 years, which is really kind of a servant leader that serves both the the sellers and the buyers in the marketplace. And that's what we're heading towards. Lee, why mobility? I mean, what what does that word mean now when when you use the word mobility? In the context of automotive, it, it truly means helping a person satisfy their transportation needs. And it extends to goods as well and services. Um, but just like Alex said, mobility matters because we're seeing the number of vehicle miles traveled increase tremendously. Um, as we go into the world of fleets, we're seeing the utilization of these fleets increase almost 7x. So more vehicles on the road driving more miles and needing more maintenance and service. And part of the large play here with Cox Automotive and Mo- Cox Mobility's um, interest is supporting the industry th- through this change and making sure that we understand and set up um, to service some of these unique segments, like the electric vehicle we think is going to play a really important role in the fleet to the future. We believe due to... It is the future. It is the future. Due to yeah. lower total cost of ownership, the electric vehicle makes a lot of sense for the fleet manager of today and tomorrow. Well, 
Well, John, there's so much to talk about. I want to keep all of these guys over, and let's continue this conversation. Let's talk about what's going to happen in the next five or ten years. Let's talk about this experiment they're doing down there with Chevy Bolts and Lyft, uh, the rideshare company. I'm Tim Eccles, and you're listening to Energy Matters. Stick around, and we're going to learn a lot about mobility today. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. John, one of our sponsors for the show, Row Insulating Company, is doing a great job in and around Athens, being able to do a lot of what we talk about every single week on the show. Every time it gets cold, every time it gets hot, it's always a, it's always that attic that's the problem. And uh, you could attack windows, and that's going to cost you a cold fortune. It is insulation that can solve the problem. Hey, if you want to get this fixed, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854, Row Insulating Company. Rope. Support for Energy Matters is provided by Velo Solar, founded in 2007 by Mark Bell and Chuck Clark. Over the years, Velo has designed, engineered, and built medium to large scale solar projects all over the country. Velo has also engineered and integrated a monitoring software platform called Power Info. Power Info is a smart grid software that has the ability to measure everything in your building, boy, that's something I'd like, that either produces, pulls energy, solar, lighting, HVAC, talk about geeking out, air, water, even steam, allows your customers to increase their energy efficiency. For more, click on bellosolar.com. Yeah, that's great. He's John Noel, former state representative, my co-host. I'm Tim Eccles. I serve on the Georgia Public Service Commission, and I'm the host of Energy Matters. Sean, we've got a studio full of folks here today from Cox Automotive. Folks uh, know know them probably through some of their brands like autotrader.com, Kelly Blue Book, and Alex, what else, What other brands might they know uh, that's uh, owned by Cox Automotive? The rest of the big brands are probably only known to folks in the car business. So Mannheim is our biggest uh, brand within the, the family of Cox Automotive, and that's an auto auction company primarily. We also do logistics, so moving cars around. Uh, we have some other large brands within the dealership world called Vin Solutions and V Auto and Next Gear, and those are all products and services that serve the dealer community in various ways. That's awesome. Mannheim, of course, uh, as I said in the earlier segment, bought our family auto auction, and my brothers are still contractors uh, uh, for Mannheim, and, and my cousin is assistant general manager down at one of the Florida sales. So, you know, the auction business is such a unique business, and these are dealer auctions, so the average person can't walk in there. This is the place where your car dealer buys their used cars oftentimes, isn't it? It is. It's a place where they buy their inventory. They also sell inventory there. So if a dealer's had a vehicle on his lot for 30, 60, 90 days, whatever his business rules are, and it's just not moving, he'll liquidate that asset to put it into a new to to buy a Raise different cash. car. Yeah. yeah, and then he can buy a car where hopefully he can make some money on it. 
electric vehicles, uh, particularly used ones, haven't been in the market that long, John. I think That's we're true. still I think yep. we're still learning about their value, about uh, the battery life, about reconditioning. Julian, you all are involved with dealing with used electric vehicles. Has that been a learning curve for Cox Automotive? And how are you guys going to be helping this community uh, out there, the broader used car community, dealers, et cetera, and learning about the technology? Yeah, it has been a learning experience for us. And I think we expect to be on the forefront of that. Uh, you know, as, as we talk about the electrification of fleets and the, and the continued uptick in the use of vehicles, you're going to see them on the, on the used market. And you know, that, that changes the paradigm of how you think about used vehicles, right? Uh, whether it's battery health and how you evaluate that versus a drivetrain, right. right. uh, what becomes valuable, what does the lifespan of a car look like, how do you main, maintain those cars? Um, you know, we're hiring people and have already hired them that are really on the forefront of that and allow us to evaluate. Uh, you know, I know Lee, for example, is looking at, uh, you know, how do we evaluate, continue to evaluate battery health and build technology around that? How do we ha- hire the right people that can uh, think about cars differently, really, you know, mm-hmm. and think about, uh, you know, what's important to an electric vehicle? How do we, how do you maintain them? How do you keep them charged? How do you support a community that has a number of them in there? So I've got 100,000 miles on my car right now, but it's yep. an electric car. So it's a whole, look, you don't have to worry about the transmission. But if I had 100,000 miles on my, on my car and I was going to sell it to you, you'd say, well, yeah, maybe that I need to put a new the transmission value. in there. Absolutely. And it changes the value dramatically. And we've talked to some EV owners who have, who have four times that amount of miles on their cars. Whoa. And the things that they've changed are brakes. They've changed tires. Um, so these cars are gonna they're gonna change the way you think about used used vehicles and how we deal with them. And we're uh, yeah right in down the south side of Atlanta, building the kind of the tip of the spear of how we deal with those. You know, when you think about buying a car or leasing a car, I know that even though I'd been in the car business, you know, personally, even though my family had owned a car auction, even though I'd worked at a car dealership, I had never leased a car in my life until the electric car. Uh, but the way our tax credit was constructed and the fact that I had a little bit of concern about the technology. So in 2013, John, I leased a two-year. Uh, you were smart. Two-year period. I leased a, a 2013 yep. LEAF. And then I leased another 2015 LEAF. Then, not because I was uncomfortable with the technology, but I still felt like, you know, it's going to Prices change. Prices are coming down. And they're going to come down. Yeah. Uh, Alex, as you think about you know, leasing versus buying. I mean, a lot of those lease cars come back to you all a lot quicker than the purchase cars, right? Because there was a set time That's right. that, that, that that owner turned it back, and, and oftentimes the dealers send it to you to sell, right? Yeah, so the dealer, the grounding, well, the, the retail customer always has the opportunity to buy their lease car. Then the grounding dealer will have the opportunity to buy it. And then oftentimes there's an online platform where like manufacturer dealers can buy it. But if, if none of those folks take it, then it does come to the auction, and, and we have the opportunity to remarket that to all of our dealers. So, Lee, in Georgia, we had a lot of Nissan Leafs uh, you know, that wound up on Mannheim property being, being sold because we had the tax credit. Yeah. Other states, not necessarily so. I mean, you're familiar with the, the New York market, the Chicago market. I mean, it, a lot of those... Uh, in, in a way, it seemed like we flooded the market here with used electric vehicles before we knew very much about them. I mean, that's accurate. You know, in 2015, when that that incentive um, was ended, we saw a whole host, over 10,000 of those leaves at our auctions in, that are based in Georgia. Um, but back to the education part of it, when you talk to 
Julian about, you know, how are we setting up to support the electric vehicle is really the consumer education as well that's just as critical, right? So the consumer has a mindset about the electric vehicle and, and, and their understanding is really framed about how can I learn more about the battery, right? What is the battery capacity in terms of range? What is the value of that battery? And just as Alex said earlier, we know that the value of an electric vehicle's powertrain makes up 50% of that entire asset. So the consumer is hypersensitive to how is the value of my vehicle going to be dictated by the value of that battery? And how does my range compare with the range I get in my gasoline vehicle today? So overcoming those barriers, as well as education around charging infrastructure, we think are really, you know, the path forward to create liquidity, so to speak, getting back to your first question, in this used vehicle market for electrics. Oh, you're talking New York terms now. Liquidity. <laughs> you know, Julian, when I was in the car business, you know, we would have a sales meeting every morning, and sometimes our sales manager made us watch a product, a video or DVD. I mean, back then it was a video. So we would watch a, a product video about, you know, the particular, you know, engine or the benefits of the car. I've had a lot of folks tell me that they've gone to dealers and oftentimes the salesperson was unclear about how to charge the vehicle and where you could put the charger and how long the battery would last. That's on the new car. So imagine on the used car, the variables that you have. What's being done uh, to educate dealers and salespeople about how uh, all this works? And I'll throw this, uh, I'll throw this open to any of the Cox panel here. Yeah, it's a great question that I think a lot of dealers are trying to get on their front foot about. And, and you have a whole host of variety where some dealers just are not interested in buying used electrics because they're not comfortable with it. And so if they're not comfortable with it, they're certainly not going to be comfortable with their customers. Then you have the inverse of that where you have actually some dealerships out there in the U.S. right now, many of which we have relationships with that are only stocking EVs. Wow. And they're kind of trying to make that their market. And so... I think with like with anything else in the car business, you have certain dealers who adopt, you know, new this or new that, and and that's not always consistently the same folks, right? Some folks get really excited about one thing and and the other, but I think for the consumer, the nice thing is in this internet age, there's a lot of available research. We're looking at how do we use some of the Cox Automotive properties like Auto Trader and KBB and Ride.Tech to to educate consumers about hey, if this is something you're interested in, here's some things that you can know and can kind of prepare yourself so that you're making an informed decision. Yeah. You know, John, one of our one of our sponsors, BMVW Auto Sales, yep. they sell used electric vehicles down near Shannon Mall. Probably the only uh, one in Atlanta. In, in Union Got City. Me. And all he has is things with a plug. Fabulous. And, and he even allows folks to borrow them for three days if they have an insurance card. And yeah, I wish some other used car lots would kind of follow that model. But, I mean, Alex and, 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 and Lee and Julian, I mean, uh, the market has to drive this, right? There has to be a demand for this. People need to be asking for it. Yeah, right? I mean, and we've seen that. I think you, you hit on something important is, is the, the way that the consumer looks at that car requires a bit of a paradigm shift. You know, most consumers are used to driving past gas stations and they know where they are and they know how to deal with that vehicle. How you think about electric car, and we've seen this with some of our partners that are putting these into fleets, is how do you think about that? How do you educate your, your driver to, to think about it differently, right? You're going to have to find charging uh, at a different place. It's fueling the car differently. And, and 
as we've seen people get comfortable with that, they really love the, the technology in the vehicle, but it does require some of that education. And that's part of what we're really doing down at the property at Metropolitan with some of our partners and, and then generally with the, with the Pivot brand and, and the future of, of Cox Automotive. Yeah, so Kelly Blue Book and Auto Trader, those are two of your, your brands. Are people searching those uh, those platforms for electric cars? You bet. I mean, we know today that there is more interest in buying another electric car once you're already an electric car owner. I think recent stats came out that says, if I'm purchasing again today and I own an electric vehicle, I will 70% more or more likely I'm surprised not higher yeah repurchase wow um so those platforms are set up to enable whatever search you want and certainly have education and editorial content around the electric vehicle and we know you know all the oems are making big plays in investments in manufacturing and creation of new brands and countries are outlawing infernal combustion engines i mean mm-hmm. england's just did they just said hey no more after 2030 i think no more infernal combustion internal combustion engine cars yeah, John, when I got elected in 2011, there were six cars with a plug. Now, uh, you know, in two, 2019, uh, 48, 48 cars with a plug and, and growing. Mm. Uh, so, look, when we come back, I want to continue this discussion. It's important because I think what Cox Automotive is doing is really setting the stage for a paradigm shift in, in, the, in the car business. And so I want us to talk about that, what we're learning about this. I want us to talk about this lift experiment uh, that they're partnering with Cox. So stick around. I'm Tim Eccles, and we'll learn more about electric cars when we come back. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, 2 or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden & Gregory. Support for Energy Matters comes from Arnold, Golden, and Gregory. AGG takes a business sensibility approach when advising clients. AGG provides industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief, not if, but how. We appreciate their weekly support of our little old Energy Matters. Yeah, uh, John Gornall. Man, I remember sitting with him, John, in 2010 when I got elected. We were at the Georgia Solar Christmas party, mm. and he really took me under his wing and you know helped me learn a lot about the solar energy market. And at a time when you you needed to learn, yeah. And I'm yeah. wearing right now. I wish I, I'll, I'll I'll put this on Twitter so you'll see my hat. But this this Solar Express hat. I I, I did an event where I rented the Sam Shortline train. From in America's Georgia that went to Plains. Super cool. I rented the whole train in yep. August of that first year. Yeah. We outfitted an entire train car with educational displays about solar energy. 
and we took that train to yep. Plains. We got off. We we walked to Jimmy Carter's grade school. We did a seminar in his grade school. He wasn't there. Uh, right. And then went back and drove back to in the train to Americas. But that was that event at that time in 2011 was viewed by a lot of people as crazy uh, yeah. because solar. You know, we only had a little megawatt of solar in Georgia at the time. Now, right. now we are ninth or tenth or eleventh, depending on you know what other states are doing in any given month. And so, and Plains has Jimmy Carter put solar on his property. yeah, and he took advantage yeah. of our Ready program that we right. we created. In fact, on his his, his his solar has pollinator that we've talked about uh, with Alice. Uh, Alley's program at the Ray down on down on I eighty pollinator plants pollinator plants yeah. uh, to really help with the agriculture uh, because they help pollinate hay or other types of uh, agricultural that's plants. pretty so, cool cool things well in the studio with us that's John Noel my co-host uh, as we chat I'm Tim Eccles on the Public Service Commission and Tim Eccles at on at, Twitter on Twitter I'm at Tim Eccles and John you're new energy guy yeah and so we've got a studio full of Cox Automotive pros uh we've got over here uh julian cowart who went to emory he works down at the 2244 property hey julian hey yeah great great to have you in the studio i've really enjoyed working with you to promote all the great things that you guys are doing that we're going to talk about uh alex fraser alex uh you have been in the automobile business for a while right yeah how many years uh this will be my 18th year yeah and wow. so working uh working down here on this on that project and lee you have been all over the country right you you were in new york you were in chicago and now down here in georgia that's correct yeah how do you like the south by the way love it you know we have come to embrace it it's a it's a special place for families and the weather's wonderful i mean there's not much left to be desired yeah you, you, you have a that's little like bit of hear. midwestern accent or maybe a you know, uh, like the, you know how the Canadians say, you bet, you betcha. Oh, betcha. And, yeah, and yeah. so it's, it's nice. It's a, it's a nice, non-offending <laughs> it's pleasant. accent. Because, John, you and I have this strong southern accent. That's right. right? Yeah. I mean, people laugh at us, and they, you know, redneck, hick, you know, all that. That's right. So, so it's nice to have somebody in the <laughs> studio with a very, very pleasant accent. Well, let's talk about what's going on <laughs> at 2244. Um Alex, you've got this experiment going on with with Lyft down there where you are using Chevrolet bolts. Why the bolt? Why did they select the Chevy bolt? Is it because of the range primarily? Well, it does have great range. So those come off the factory with, you know, each battery's a little different, but call it 233 to 238. That's big. Uh, it, it is big. And, and affordable. It's very affordable. Uh, it's a very ownable vehicle. Um, but in addition, even though it might look small from outside the vehicle, you can f- comfortably sit in the back seat of that vehicle. Now, you want to take a road trip from here to Dallas in it? I don't know. But can you get from Midtown to the airport comfortably? You absolutely can. And so it's been a great um, project with Lyft where we have hosted those out of the metro facility. And the drivers have really responded well. I mean, since we've launched the program, uh, the cars are never there, which means they're always with the driver, and the drivers are only keeping them because they're staying busy, keeping you know, giving rides out, giving rides out, and and they've found a way to work the charging in, kind of like Julian was saying, where they've changed their ownership experience to include charging regularly, so it's not an impediment, um, and they've really embraced it. It's been great. 
I've ridden in one of those cars. We we uh, held a lift car uh, going to a meeting, and and the Bolt showed up. So nice. I had a chance not only to talk to the driver, but I videoed him uh, <laughs> with his permission, of course, and having him built, really give a testimonial. And he, I was his 105th ride for the week. Uh, and wow. so. Do yeah. you find do you find drivers giving a lot of rides? I mean, they're they're being incentivized to give a lot of rides, aren't they? Yeah, there is incentives for them based on how many rides they give. Uh, they get credits back on their rental charges, basically. But you know, in the first three months of the program, they did over seven thousand rides, and I think by it, based on the Atlanta numbers, what I've heard is that is actually a, a tick higher based on average rides per driver kind of situation. They drove a little bit more than the average driver, full-time driver, and so in regular cars, in in a regular vehicle. So the electric car folks and the and, okay, wow, John, and, let's 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 think about this. I mean, other cities like Portland have done programs like this, and I, I came back two years ago from a big EV conference there and said to folks in Atlanta, "Look, we we need this because this is like a ride and drive, just without the drive part." Uh, because when you put people in an electric vehicle that have never been there, and John, you write, you give it. people a ride yeah. all the time. They go, yeah. what are some of the things they say when they ride in an electric vehicle they've never been well, in when before? You put, well, I mean, I, I have, my car's a little high performance, so I have Tesla. <laughs> but when you get in it and then you hit punch it, generally the expression, if it's a female, is, oh, ah, ah. <laughs> I mean, literally, people, that's not unusual. I mean, people just can't believe the acceleration you have, and then you don't have the all that other stuff. And you certainly don't have the emissions. Yeah, so people like the smoothness. They like the quiet. And I've had a, a Leaf and a Kia Soul EV, and invariably people talk about the quiet. They do yeah. talk about the quiet. They they talk about the smoothness of the car. Right. Uh, and it, but it's always a surprise. It's always a pleasant surprise. Right. If well, if you think about <laughs> if if you think about how difficult it is to put on a ride drive experience. Yep. That's yep. an event that costs money. It, it takes organization, and if we've got all of these bolts running around and people are riding in them right i mean to my friends at cox here i just can't help but think that we're going to be seeing more electric cars sold as a result of these rides yeah yep. we we agree yep. i mean I, it's exposure it's very rare that somebody goes for a ride in a bolt or a tesla or any ev yeah and walks out and says yeah i would never want any That's more of that stunk. right like no it just doesn't happen i think what what most people see is either the sheer normalness of it which is it's great in a lot of ways right because it isn't markedly different or they really do walk away like john's talking about really surprised with some of the performance and other factors that they just weren't expecting so let me ask you about the ups and downs of owning an ev and what we're learning to anyone on my panel i mean what are we learning about the ups and downs of owning evs well i, I think uh, i mean with the ups the total cost of ownership you, you know is if you make that vehicle work whether it's in a fleet or personally is is very clear we've seen so we talked about some of the EVs in the world have four or five hundred thousand miles on them. That's okay. extraordinary compared to an, an you know a combustion engine car, uh, and so the cost of ownership, the the ability to use that in a fleet has been very strong. Uh, and for the drivers that really put it to work, uh, you know, for the Lyft program and others, it's been wonderful. You know, I think the thing we, we and I know you're very invested in this is talking about the infrastructure for charging and for supporting EVs yep. is something that is 
uh, we talk, it's variable. For some places, it's very strong, and it, it's really not an impediment. In other places, in the rural parts of Georgia, it ain't there. Well, and even in parts of Atlanta, I mean, we, you know, we, it's a, it's very different from from neighborhood to neighborhood, and uh, you know, we have some neighborhoods that are very strongly uh, powered and have the have the infrastructure they need to support EVs, and there's some that are real that don't. And uh, you know, we're hoping to be a part of the solution for that. But right now, uh, that's I think one of the challenges is just how do we how do we make sure that the the vehicles and the usage and the infrastructure all stay in lockstep as we move forward. Yep. And it really comes down to demystifying this vehicle, right? And w- what is in the battery? What's my range? How how can I count on that? I, I feel most Americans are not going to miss trips to the gas station. It, you know, I'll take that time back if I can learn the practice of charging up at night at my home and optimizing, you know, my lower rate on my utilities. Um, so there, there's a lot of benefits, but, you know, it's confidence in understanding the battery's capacity, its range, its, you know, cost per kilowatt hour and how that's going to come down is all going to move together to, to shape consumer per- perception. I've, I've told the story before. My youngest daughter, I have seven children, my youngest daughter uh, at 18 had only driven the the Kia Soul EV, uh, right? Coming home uh, after school, plugging it in, never charging ever, not one single time outside of our home. And so at 18, when I turned the car, when I turned the car back after the lease, she said, "Dad, I, I don't know how to pump gas." <laughs> She's 18 years old, and I, so I, I take her with. I love your you know, we, we transition her to the Toyota Prius, and I take her up and I show her how to to fill wow. fill the car. She uh, could just with move gas. to Portland, and then she wouldn't have to pump her own gas. Yeah. They pump it for you. Or in that's right. Or in New Jersey, where Lee's from. Yeah, yeah. Jobs program. Wow. Yeah, was that uh, did that did that take you getting used to not pumping your own gas uh, uh, in a different state? It takes a little getting used to, and it, it's patience though, because you get you get programs so you drive up and you're in control, and I'm gonna gas up my car and go and i gotta wait well john i want to keep these guys over one more segment yeah because, let's do it uh, because i think it's it's important for us to understand when we come back i want us to talk about some questions that folks have about evs i want us to talk about uh the the equity piece and i know the city of atlanta is concerned about social equity and how this program that cox is involved in is really helping low-income people one, drive a brand new car, and number two, make more money than they've been making uh, working at their local store or other other places. So it's been been a great thing. So I'm Tim Eccles, my co-host, John Noel. Uh, when we come back, continue to learn about this pivot program that Cox Automotive is doing on the south side of Atlanta and how it's really uh, a game changer. We'll be right back. You've heard about Gem Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Gem Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M-CarService.com. Hey, Commissioner Tim Eccles, host of Energy Matters. I want to tell you about Kevin Rowe and Rowe Insulating Company. If you need insulation anywhere within 60 miles of Athens, Georgia, you need to call 706 795 
2854. It's important, isn't it, John? It's, it is the most important thing you can do in your house. It's the low-hanging fruit of everything that we talk about on Energy right. Matters every single week. That's exactly right. Yeah, call 706-795-2854. That's 706-795-2854. Row Insulating Company. Get comfortable. Welcome back. I'm Tim Eccles, the host of Energy Matters. We want to help you save money on your energy bill, actually on your automobile bill uh, as well. We want to help you use technology, and there's a whole bunch of it available. We want you to live a more sustainable life. John, I know this this whole conversation with these guys in studios raising a lot of questions. Oh, it's got me excited. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you start talking about money. It's not just Republicans who get all excited, like my friend Tim Eccles. <laughs> Democrats like money, too, and I'm sitting here thinking, if I'm a Lyft driver, I'm an Uber driver, if I'm a driver, is it costing me more or less to operate an electric car? Show me the money. Well, what's been nice, I mean, obviously we don't know exactly how much each Lyft driver is making, but what we certainly do know is through the Express Drive program, which is the the Lyft rental program, they do offer maintenance, but even just as an owner or user, you're not, like, time is money, right? And they are, it is not costing them more time. And we've seen that by, honestly, the most simple metric, which is most of the drivers are keeping the cars. So they offered the first 50 to a select driver group that had already had a lot of rides and were kind of quote unquote good drivers. Most of those drivers kept the cars. There was a few that came back and said, hey, look, it's not for me. And, and that was expected, but most of them have stayed out and they haven't brought them back. And so they're obviously working for them. These are full-time drivers who this is their living, and, and they're loving the program. And they've so, made a financial calculus that this makes more oh, sense. Oh, absolutely. And, and I maybe mean, a comfort count. And I also think there is a intrinsic value to it for them that, hey, look, I'm doing something different. I'm doing something neat, and, and I'm excited to be a part of this program. Your property is six minutes, because I timed it, six minutes from the airport. Frankly, not a lot of traffic as you pull back out from Cleveland Avenue on 85 South. You know, there's just I don't I don't really ever find traffic jams there on on that segment. So it is close, uh, and and you're doing a lot of renovation to the old uh, property. You're putting in a lounge. Tell us a little bit, but little bit about what that property will look like and how you envision electric car lift drivers and others utilizing it sure so the property is absolutely being set up to serve multiple communities within the mobility space a lot of that is fleet and so that's going to happen kind of behind the fence on a b2b wholesale level but we have a big focus yeah uh, we have a big focus on the consumer which is new for us in a lot of ways with cox automotive because again our only really consumer facing brands are auto trader and kelly blue book but we are setting up this lounge for drivers where if they are waiting for rides at the airport, they could potentially be there, get an oil change, get a cleaning through our, our brand Ride Clean, which is a, a talk about sustainability. We can do full details with less than a gallon of water, um, which is, is That's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and if, oh, by the way, you have a Tesla like you do, John, and it's basically a computer with four wheels yeah. and a battery, uh, less water is generally better with those things, you yeah. know? Um, so uh, <laughs> less than one gallon is better than 100 gallons. Because, look, you know, um, we Cox has an entire division internally that we call Cox Conserves, and, and we're really proud of that. And, and so, yeah, there is this huge retail component where folks can get their car serviced. There's, there's Lyft will have an office there. Um, so if they have questions that they need answering from Lyft directly, they'll be able to get that. And, and we're really excited to open it uh, later this summer. So having a place for... Lift drivers to interact 
and maybe work on another side hustle they have or check their mm-hmm. email in a safe way or to get that car cleaned, as you mentioned, this is something we haven't really experimented with. I mean, at the airport, they may be lingering together, maybe in the cell phone lot or somewhere well, else. So I think, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and take this big piece of property that you have strategically located, how do you, how do you see this property being used in the most effective way for mobility? Today or 20 years from now? Both. Yeah, I mean, I think today it is it is really interacting with these rideshare drivers and, and all of these fleets um, and new form retailers who may not be traditional dealers and they don't have recon shops, reconditioning shops where they can do light mechanical or detail work or body work and, and serve a lot of that community. Now, once we've moved into an autonomous world, it the location becomes very advantageous. You know, it is directly halfway between downtown and the world's busiest airport. So if you've got a bunch of electric autonomous cars running around that do need to stop for charging here or there or need a tire or whatever, it's a pretty good location for that too. So we're excited about it for today. We're really excited about it for tomorrow. Yeah, I mean... Uh- the way I've talked about it is where we certainly talk about what, what Mannheim and Cox Automotive has always been great at, which is taking care of the car, taking care of the asset. What we're trying to marry that with is an opportunity to take care of the person as well, right? So the, the employees, the drivers, the people that are interacting with that car, we're going to put those two things together. That's actually what my role is, at, you know, primarily at the, is to build the client experience there. So we're working to build a front-end experience that really takes care of the person, the things that they need. And that, some of that's very basic. Some of that could be uh, a little more high end, you know. We make sure we have very good coffee and uh, and very good Wi Fi. Um, but That's uh, it, key. Uh, it, well, it is. Yeah. I and mean, you think about what these folks need. I mean, they're driving an asset. They're working, they right? And they need it, that. They need they, to repair it. They need to clean it. And they need to get it back on the road. Yeah. You know, in previous episodes, we've talked with folks like Allie Kelly, who drives a Tesla. John drives a Tesla. About the autonomous or semi-autonomous feature of the cars, and. I would imagine that from time to time, those things need to be checked, don't they? I mean, is there, is there, Lee, uh, is there, is there a way? That's for- a huge focus for us and a, and a big opportunity. So we, we call all of those sensors around the car, whether it's your camera on your windshield or the 360 degree camera or your set of LIDAR or radar or ultrasonic sensors on your bumpers. Those, all of those need to be what we call scanned and calibrated in the world of semi-autonomous to autonomous fleets, you know, those sensors are only going to increase in number. And over time, you know, that you hit a pothole and those those sensors point in the wrong direction or that camera might not be at the pitch you need it to be in order to warn you about lane departure or, mm. um, you know, uh, automatic emergency braking, as an example. So it all comes into play, and that's a focus for us secondary to really we're in, in part with the electric vehicle. We see those as two capabilities that are going to really drive the autonomous industry forward. John, I see a day where, like, we have an emission sticker on cars for emissions, and back in the day— I don't even day, remember those. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I've had electric yeah, cars so long, yeah, I can't yeah. remember. Before the emission sticker, we <laughs> yeah. used just, just to have a, a sticker, inspection sticker, mm-hmm. it was called, that yeah, you had to right. get done. But I envision a day when we have enough electric vehicles where this may be required. I mean, you use the autonomous feature. How— how important for it to be accurate is it, and what what kind of nuances have you seen with it? That's a great question. I, I was listening to Lee very intently, thinking I've got a sensor that's down in the bumper that does that that checking of distance, and 
I've hit some things kind of hard with my bumper. I've got to go check that sensor, you know, <laughs> because when you're in the lane and you know there's a LIDAR somewhere, somewhere is a little radar that sits uh, just in the least in the Tesla right above the above the mirror that's looking around, of course. But then there's all these other sensors that have to interplay. There are plenty of times when the car loses, quote unquote, control. It does. It loses its bearings. And that's where the human is necessary. But as we get smarter and get better, and we will, we'll, that we won't need it. the sensors will figure it out. We'll have backup sensors. Yep, John, this is the future. It is future of automotive. Electric. Welcome and to the future. It's here. Autonomous. John, I've told you told you the story off air before, but Allie Kelly uh, at the Ray, one of their board members, was a Boeing engineer. He lives out on the West Coast. I was out in Seattle meeting with Starbucks corporate and and Microsoft, and we had an extra afternoon, and he offered to give us a tour of the of the area. So. He picks my wife and I up in a Model X Tesla. And this gentleman is 80. As we get off the raised bridge interstate and we go down by the, you know, by the shipping containers and all this, he he's talking. And Gesticulating, he's looking and, at you. And, and he gets mixed up on uh, there's a, the, he gets mixed up on the road and he, he takes this Model X over a curb. And my wife is in the back seat about to get car sick and She's fretting over, uh, over this, and I'm, I'm going, and I'm going to stop talking to this guy so he'll pay attention. When we finally got on the road to Redmond, and he put that thing in autonomous mode, I finally <laughs> breathed a sigh of relief that there's a decent driver on this car, that the, <laughs> that, that the computer, that the computer drove the car the way back. better That's, than the human drove yes, the car. Exactly right. Well, yeah. make no mistake, the least safe thing in each of our cars is the driver. That's true. Yeah, so true. Let, I, yeah. yeah, I want to talk a little bit about, about Cox Automotive and your experience with looking at cars and evaluating them. Because I, I know one of the things that y'all are very good at is condition reports. And dealers across America rely on your expertise. Has it always been that way? Have you gotten better through the years? Um, because you are really good at it. Absolutely. I mean, we do that as one of the core things we do. We are great inspectors of vehicles. And we, we inspect over 4 million vehicles throughout our 73 locations every year. And that's wow. just the vehicles on our lots. And and we have evolved our science around inspecting as the vehicle itself has evolved, right? So it now has new capabilities and assets that need to be inspected and ultimately valued. But we're using new technology, things like under carriage scanning through LIDAR. So instead of having to crawl under the vehicle and un- identify rust, we now can do that digitally. And and that is one of the areas we're focused is just how do we trans- transfer a lot of the, the, the human activities that we need to identify and measure a ding or a dent and start to take a digital image of that so they can be more accurate and we can maintain those records for our buyers and sellers wow. over time. Well, John, this has been so cool. a, a fascinating episode and I can't wait to see all that's going to happen with the leadership of Cox Enterprises and Cox Automotive on this. And, you know, we've talked before, John, about Cox Conserves, their sustainability program, all that they've done with financing solar for for employees, the tire pyrolysis, uh, yeah, the tire pyrolysis facility that that they're doing, the wind turbines, the EV chargers at their corporate headquarters. I mean, and it's something that the that the company really doesn't brag about. And that and that that makes it even more meaningful for me. And me too. I I've watched them over the years. They have been uh, a real pioneer and as you say, a quiet pioneer in the world of green. And that means a lot. 
Well, thank you, Julian. Keep keep up the great work. Thank you, sir. Yeah, Alex and, and your leadership out there. I just appreciate all that you're doing at the tip of the spear. Thank you. And Lee, thank you for uh, moving to the South and becoming a Southerner. <laughs> Got it. Thank <laughs> and, you. And, and being such a great part of the team. I'm Tim Eccles. You've been listening to Energy Matters. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. Everyone has tough times in their life. By checking the project share box at the bottom of your utility bill, you can make life a little easier for your neighbors. Your $1, $2, or $5 checkoff is matched by the utility and then used by the Salvation Army to help folks having a tough time paying their energy bills. It's that easy. Join PSC Commissioner Tim Eccles and many others by donating via your power bills this year. See more by clicking projectshareinfo.com. And thank you.